lot. You're listening to Channel. Episode 250! That's a big number! Unless you're one of us, and then we live a lot longer than you manlings, and so it's not so big a number. But for shows, it's pretty big! And today, they're continuing in the first they're gonna tell you how to write your list, now the manlings are gonna tell you how to pick an army. Like you couldn't do it yourself! But I suppose when you can't do anything else except pick armies and write armies because you don't ever play, this is what you do. So shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage Tools. For the next two hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you the ins, outs, sideways, downways, upways, and backways of how to pick out your army for Age of Sigmar. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Jack Burton. And you know what Jack Burton always says in a time like this? When the grand grabs you by the neck and slaps the back of your favorite head against the barroom wall and says, Have you paid your dues, Jack? Well, you just tell him what old Jack Burton always says. Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. That wasn't exact and it wasn't perfect, but it was good enough for the purposes of this program. I'm going to tell you that right now. No, no, it wasn't actually. It was amazing. Um, Yeah, amazing, like. Transformers yep. amazing. Oh, you better stop right now or I'm going to just throw you off this show. You can go right ahead. I'm <laughs> sorry I'm kidding you with the truth, Dave. <laughs> oh, you are such a negative Nelly. Oh, my goodness. It's not a negative Nelly. I'm just speaking the truth. <laughs> that is a terrible movie. You like, don't know. Horrible. Oh, God, if you ever have a proper opinion on a film, I'll make sure to let you know it. But other than that, we're good. All right. Hey, folks, it's time for Garage Hammer. Episode 250. That's kind of a lot. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. that is pretty substantial. Yeah, I mean, I get, uh, it's kind of a milestone. You'd think we'd actually be doing something important this episode, except now we're talking about picking armies, which is pretty much like, I mean... It's weird because well, it's kind of an important to- an important decision, but at the same time, it's like, um, don't you know how to do that? Like, it seems second nature, but it's really not. Especially, I'll tell you, when I first started to play this game, it took me forever. Like, I mean, I I, I was going through the books for days, if not if not if not a couple weeks, just going through stuff, talking to Barnett, trying to figure out which army I wanted to play. Hmm. And I think it's a little worse now because we have so many options with Age of Sigmar. So there's a lot more choices that have to be made. Oh, no kidding. And and as such, because you have so many choices, you need to like expand your criteria and like really process and think about yeah. what you're going to do. Yeah. But there's... you know what I think we should do? What? Oh, we should, we should probably take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include... Chaos Orc Superstore. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing needs. Oh, and oh, did you see my post up on the Garage Hammer page with the uh, Ether Quartz crystals, the little crystal bundles that the that they sent me, Brad and uh, and Kevin sent me. Yeah, it was uh, crystal clear. Oh, so cool! They're so nice. You know, and they're just, they're nice. They're like on little 20s, so they're small, but you can keep them with your unit. Because I was talking with Harrison about that, and we're like, you know, 
I said, this way you know if you used it. And he's like, more importantly, I remember to use it. Like, I remember that it's there, that this unit has it to use. And it's also yeah. easy. It's, it's nice and easy for your opponent to see. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, he still has the, a crystal to use and stuff like that. Isn't there a faction you could pick that gets double crystals or something like that? Yes, one of the uh, Great Nations lets you do two crystals for the price of a command point, I believe. That um, must be why Harrison wanted double crystals. Well, yeah, I mean, the ability kind of rocks, but it's just a lot of Rocks like crystal? Up. Yes. Got you. Now, did you just kind of like glaze over the crystal clear pun earlier, or did you just completely I'm going to glaze out? over all your puns, because that's just what's going to happen from now on. Punning is like the lowest form of comedy, and you're very good at it, but still, for the love of Pete, you, between you and Barnett, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, Yeah, that's accurate. But, uh, no, it's a very cool design that they have. Um, it almost, if you're not using it for uh, the Lumineth, you could probably use it for, like, terrain. Or objectives. I mean, it's small. Objectives. It's yeah. on a 20 mil base. Like, I didn't have it on the base when I took the picture, but they come on t- with 20 mil bases. Uh, you know what, though? I su- I mean, I if you wanted it for terrain, I bet if you contacted Six Squared, they could make bigger ones. They probably could, but the small ones, I think, would be pretty awesome, especially if you're doing, like, a Gloom Spite army, because those crystals look very similar to the crystals that the uh, rocket targets have oh yeah to them so oh. that could be something yeah no they're really nice and let's not forget our other sponsor grognard games in roselle illinois there's always something happening at grognards did you hear the bell i did hear the bell because there's the bell there's always something happening at grognards they just did a big uh charity thing uh for because you know what is it uh What's that thing that I did? The 24-hour thing. The gaming thing. I, uh, the, uh, Extra life. Extra life. And you can't do that. So they were they they were just, they ran, they had a bunch of stuff out there in sales and raffles and the money went to charity. It was a really wonderful thing they were doing. If I yeah, wasn't, it was coinciding with like Amazon Prime Days. They were like Grognard Prime Days, I think is what they called it. Yeah. Dude, they had half off all of their, uh, like their resale, uh, like, uh, stuff like the Managers. yeah the people you know people bring in their Warhammer stuff and sell it to them and then they're selling the used you know either painted or unpainted or you know stuff some stuff's on sprue they were doing that for super discount uh, s- discounts on just a, most everything in the store it was really a great deal um, and you know it, and and then they gave that money and there was all that money went to charity uh, that they were did from the raffles and stuff so it was really it was fantastic to be honest with you it i think was really they said cool. they had what raised like close what to 500 yeah and that i mean that's hey you know especially now when you can barely even get people to come out to your stores you know because of you know the plague yeah yeah it's fantastic um what else oh should probably thank the patreon patrons those almost one percent who make everything we do here possible and that includes our associate producers we have some new ones uh, associate producers dwight sims christopher sanders ajc ajc opie and mike paustian i think i'm pronouncing that right our executive producer colin miller and mike paustian not only is a, a new associate producer but he is 
our newest patron. Um, all those guys, listen up, every one of you, and plus Lance Pear and Andrew Franquizen, uh, Franquizen, um I'm sending emails out to everybody because we have to have our producers meeting. Um, we haven't done one in a while, but now we definitely need one because we got stuff to talk about. So if you're listening to this and you haven't checked your email or checked your uh, Patre- Patreon messages, please do so because... Um, and hopefully you're listening to this right when it comes out because we want to do this meeting next week because there's so much going on. It's so exciting. Um, thank you. You and everyone, Patreon patrons, past, present, and future, for being part of the almost 1% that make this show and everything that we do possible. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, hey, Alex, guess what? Guess what time it is? Wet Willy time? Ew, what the heck? What's the matter Teenage with you? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Oh, n- 3? You're diving into Ninja Turtles 3. Ninja well, I Turtles. something else that was as good as Little China. Oh, you are... Oh, my goodness. Seriously, you are so rotten sometimes. It just makes me so sad. Um, no, it's uh, time for... Uh, Voicemail, except I ain't got no voicemails. But if you wanted to call the show and leave a voicemail, you could totally do that. All you would have to do is dial 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Call that number. Most international callers dial 00. And then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. You do that. You leave a voicemail. I listen to it. I go, Alex, we got voicemail. And then he says, oh, really? And then I say, yes. And then we play it. And that's how these things work. Because that's how these things work. It's 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 a it's almost it's a thing we do. It's almost a miracle of science. It really is. You have no idea. It's just like, oh my great googly moogly, this is a wonderful thing. And guess what? We got past the ten minute mark on the show, which means two things. First thing, it means we should really take a break. Second thing it means is that <laughs> the rec- I, I I actually figured out what was screwing up on the recorder over the last uh, four times we were trying to record the last episode. <laughs> yeah, and it kept stopping at the ten minute mark, which means at this point now we can probably get into uh, a commercial and get into doing that. And when we come back, we'll come back with the toolbox brought to you by. Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore. We will be right back. Right, folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, 
Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Org Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back with the Toolbox, brought to you by Chaos Orc Superstore. 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 So, uh, what kind of hobbying are you doing, man? What kind of hobbying is going on with you? Uh, I've been doing a lot of painting. Yeah? Because that's what we do now. Right. So, I just finished Lady Alinder today. Uh, and I posted pictures up on Twitter of her. Uh, and for some reason, she's getting a lot of positive reaction, and I don't know why. Okay. Um, <laughs> Probably because it's good. What were you talking about? I don't know why. I really don't. Uh, just because, like, the bulk of the model is just apothecary white. Okay. With a light dry brush and a few other bits and bobs. So, I honestly wasn't even sure about painting the model to begin with. Okay. So, for the kind of response that it's getting, I'm kind of surprised. Oh. Well, I mean, that's still good, man. I mean, it's still cool that you're getting positive feedback on your stuff yeah yeah i also don't understand because it's for me it's the same thing it's like it's just contrast i'm just getting this painted to get it painted right and for whatever reason they're coming out like looking decent so that's good again that's a good thing what's the matter with you uh there's a lot of matter with me um Uh. i also finished a cairn wraith and a tomb banshee and a Manfred von Karsting conversion. Uh, I took the head from the 40k Mephiston model, the new plastic one. Mephiston, okay. And I used his head uh, for Manfred. Got a Mephiston head. All right, Mephiston head. Gotcha. Why are you talking like that? I don't know. My friend Johnny P will know why I'm doing it. He's the, literally the only person who knows why I'm doing that. So I was making a joke for one listener. Because sometimes you just got to do that. Sometimes you got to be like, this one's for a friend of mine. And sometimes you don't because it totally wastes time. But it happens. So that's what I did. It, it's fine. I was just confused like I got more to than normal. On. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Because uh, the biggest thing I don't like about that model is the head for the stock Manfred von Karstein. He looks like, um, what's his name, the Orc General from the Hobbit trilogy. Azog. Oh, I don't know. The Hobbit trilogy was god-awful. Okay, you see, there we go. We can bash on the Hobbit trilogy together. Because it was uh, terrible. It was pretty awful. Sorry. There's the flame war again. I'm sure we'll get some hate mail for that, but that's okay. Um, so I hated that head. And like ever since they put him bald, like his whole character change, and then. Has he not the always model... been bald? He's been bald no. as long as I've been playing this game. No, Manfred had one of the best models at the time uh, mounted on just like a typical, like the generic medieval horse. Yeah. And he. Had his cape furled out. He had his staff up in the air. The sword pointed out in a commanding pose. He had his shirt unbuttoned right at the top. 
Oh, <laughs> sexy. Like the, the man, the uh, Vlad, or the Dracula uh, cowl. He had a nice, like that nice black hair slicked back with the widow's peak. Like that was an absolutely gorgeous model for the time. And then they made him bald. And the original bald Manfred wasn't so bad. And then the Mortar kit came out and they just made him worse. So, like, that is the biggest criticism I have of that model is he just looks awful bald. It's just not a good look. So I bought a $40 Space Marine just for the head to give him a proper looking face. Huh. Well, hey, some people do that stuff, and that's cool if that's what you want to do, man. I mean, I'm not a – I mean, there's people out there who are buying, you know, lots of – I mean, they're a kit bashing with using hundreds of odd dollar models to put together their stuff. So, you know, it happens. Not yeah. with me, but it no. happens. And I don't normally do it, but I had I had to get him a better head. Uh, sometimes you just need a better head. Yes, I get uh, and then I also built an Azerite Townscape. Ooh. That's the two-tier uh, terrain set for the Azerite Ruins. Oh, okay. So, just adding all of my terrain, and I built Dreadfleet. You did? You built the Dreadfleet? Built the whole thing. Yeah, you're going to paint it? Yeah, You I just am. added to your unpainted model list. What is that up to now? Okay, so here's the issue. Um, the backlog uh-huh. is two models right now. Which are uh, what two models are we talking? Neferata. Okay. And a vampire lord on zombie dragon. Wow! So you did paint all those uh, witch elves that you weren't having fun painting. I am getting rid of them. Wow! Just... I'm keeping Morgwaiths, and that's it. Okay, well, look at that. Just getting rid of them. That's that's one way to get rid of your hobby backlog. Just sell it. Get... It's, it's one of those things that if I'm not enjoying painting it right now, it's time to go. Got you. So, no, uh, the Dreadfleet kit, the issue with that is that there's ten big ships. Yes. Eight or nine little ones. Yes. Plus all the creatures, plus all the islands. Plus all the accoutrement. So the there accoutrement. Is a, yes. There is a lot of stuff that is in that box. It is a very heavy box. It is. So so how many models is that? Did you total it up? You, I, I know you did. You know you totaled it up. Come on. What's the number? I actually didn't. <sighs> because I haven't sat down and started working on it because the backlog has to be done first, and then my reward is Dreadfleet. <laughs> That's your reward? Yeah. You are a odd duck. Let me tell you that. There is something wrong. There is a lot wrong. It. However, Dreadfleet was something that when it came out, I couldn't reasonably spend the money on it. I thought the miniatures were rad as hell. They are really nice models. They are. But... I knew the game is not 
super enjoyable, but I want to try it anyway because the rules are not going to change for that game anymore. The game is actually fun. There, it's just the, the replay factor is very low because there's not a lot of variety in the cards and stuff. That's the problem. There's also only the 12 prescribed scenarios that you have to play through per part of the campaign. Right. So it's self-limiting. It's sort of the same problem with, uh, with uh, the Warhammer Quest, but we don't want to get into that. You know. Mm. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Sure. Yep. Um, but regardless, so the reward is Dreadfleet, and everything will be fine. Well, I'm glad you're getting your reward. You deserve a reward of some sort, I suppose. I prefer ice cream, but I will settle for Dreadfleet. Wow. I would just take some ice cream, but that's just me. But ice I'm, cream only rents space. Dreadfully takes up a massive shelf. Hey, that's why that's that's why I made sure you you have one because that's what you needed. Some massive shelf space to be taken up. And guess what? Now I have less shelf space taken up. It, Good. It's a win, win, win. Three wins, not just two. That's how winny it is. Have you done any hobbying, Dave? Yeah. Actually, I have. I've been doing plenty of hobby. I, I don't play the game, but I might as well do some hobby. And what have you done? Uh, I've been building Lumineth Realm Lords because they're awesome. Uh, oh. Let's see. I got I got 10 Bowmen done, and uh, I finished off the 20 Spears. And so at this point now, I've got 20 more Bowmen, 20 more Spears, 10 Hammer Dudes, and I can't decide to do Hammers or Picks. I kind of like the idea of the picks because sixes do the mortal wound and then that just avoids having to roll the wound and then having people getting all their extra saves, you know? Mm-hmm. But the other one, if you do, sixes do two damage if it gets through, and I know it's only one rend, but as long as you keep them near the, 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 the stone mage that's two rend and that's kind of a lot of rend now granted against like night haunt and stuff like that that it means nothing so I'm just trying to figure out which if I should put picks or hammers and I asked Harrison what he thought and his response was uh, just whatever you think's best dad I really don't know so now it's back I got put back on me so I had him out last night I was talking with Rotor on the phone and we were doing hobby, and I finished the ten uh, bows, and I was talking with him about the hammers and the picks, and I came to the conclusion I didn't know what I wanted to do with them, so I put them back in the box, and said I'll just build more spears, <laughs> because I know what I'm doing with those guys. I'm building spears, so that's yeah. what I'm doing right now. Uh, I haven't built Teclas, I haven't built the cow. Um, I'm just trying to build up my list. I have some games with Harrison's Army scheduled after Halloween, and so I want to get my 2,000 points just built to play. Um, I'm bringing a little bit of everything except Techless because we're going to play and have some fun games, and I have a feeling that bringing Techless will not be fun for other people um, because he just does so. He's, you, you know why. Um, so I've got, basically, I'm going to take like, I don't know, 30 or 40 spears and then about 20 bows and, uh, about 10 of the hammer guys. Um, and then I got a cow 
uh, Stone Mage, two Cathalars, and the Eltharian. Because I want to try a little of everything. I see all these lists and nobody takes Eltharian and in these lists, and I'm like, this is. Am I missing something? Because that model seems like it, like it wrecks things for the point cost. Like it seems like it can do a lot. The issue becomes by taking Eltharian is that you're spending points on a single model that can only be in one place at once that doesn't fly, which is a bit of a limiter, especially when you're trying to max in as many uh, spears or bows as you can so you can maximize the Cathalar negatives. So Uh, you just run out of points at a point. I guess. But I personally would try to slot in Eltharian when I could, just because the model's ridiculous. But also, I think he serves a really good function, which is like your dart that could actually kill something that doesn't depend on rolling mortal wounds. And he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't need to be near any. Like he just does his thing. He, I, I keep looking at him, going, he's one of the three threats. Like he, I mean, he's only got like five or six wounds, and he doesn't have the greatest save. I, and he he can be killed. No, no, Dave, Dave. He's what? he's got a good save, and he's got a few more than six wounds. How many does Eltharian have? Did I forget this? Did I make a mistake? I was talking about him before. Yeah, I mean, let's just assume that you made a mistake. Okay. Um, no, no, but he's tanky because he's he is ta- his armor prevents him from taking a lot of damage. Right. And like, and here's the thing: he like hits on twos or something or threes, and you yeah, can't... he's hitting hits on twos with all of his attacks, wounds on threes, and he's got a rule that he's got a rule three. that you you can't you can't modify his hit roll, like you can't negative affect it. Like he always hits on two. It's like okay, this is good. Like I like this thing, and I I just think when we talked about building your list and the three threats. I'm like, he's a threat. He, on in and of himself, is a threat. Yeah, uh, so he's seven wounds with a three-up unmodifiable save. Oh, that's right, because he's got, it's, it's, he's like, it's like he's ethereal. And you also half the damage inflicted by attacks made with weapons that target him. Half the damage. So is, yes. how does that work? I mean, meaning what? It needs an FAQ. Okay. <laughs> because if it's half the damage, then if you took 30 wounds, let's say, from like a, just a generic bow, then you would cut that down to 15. If it's like the stone skeleton rule used to be where you have the damage characteristic. Then people who have one damage that doesn't affect them at all, but people who have two damage. You turn it into paste. Right. Um, so it really just needs an FAQ just to clarify if it's the total sum of the damage dealt or if it's a damage characteristic because the stone skeleton said the same thing. See, that's what I want. That's what I didn't point. know. And that's what I wanted to, that's what I wanted cleared up because I didn't know what I was, I was like, what does this mean? I'm not certain, but I need to know because I, like I said, I think it's cool. I've got him built. Uh, and like I said, I've, these models are so pretty. And I got to say the, the box that with the, of Bowman, the way it's set up on the sprue, with the exception of two bows, which I screwed one of them up the other day, like you get like two double, like you know they're like if you look at the squ- the little you know tiny square of sprue, there's two of them that are double and there's two that are singles, 
Uh, each one of the singles makes the same things. But then, like, I took those two double sprues, and it's like they literally put – like, if you break that bigger sprue up into quarters, like the top left quarter, it's like just – you can cut out literally every piece in that corner, and that makes one of the models. You can cut – so, you know, sometimes you got to go and hunt around the sprue, and you're picking pieces here and there. Like with this, the way this brew is set up, it was like easy to find all the parts. And once I did that, I realized I'm like, oh, wait. And then the bottom left corner, same thing, except you got to swap the bow with the, with the other corner. That's the one piece that didn't, the way it was set up didn't work that way. But it was just like, a lot of times you're looking for numbers and you're hunting and pecking all over your sprues. And this one, even the sprue is set up where it was really easy to find everything, cut it out, put it to the parts and then build it. Um, they're, oh, I just keep sending Harrison pictures of these models after I build them. He's like, these are so. I he's coming home this weekend and he's just like dying to try. He's like, do we have enough to play like a thousand points? I'm like, if we have time, we will play a thousand points. I don't know we'll have time this weekend, but then he's coming home over Thanksgiving break. So I'm like, by Thanksgiving break, dude, I'll have everything for you. We're going to play a lot. And he's like, I'm so excited. He is so stoked about these these elves he is it's it's bananas how like he's constantly calling me and asking me about stuff so i'm just excited because we're going to be playing a lot right now we're not playing at all but that's neither here nor there that's just because i don't have anything to play with yeah no but that's great though yeah super exciting are you you getting have you gotten any games gaming in at all or have, have you or no i got one game in yeah um with my buddy chris and he wanted to try out uh, Big Wah using Bone Splitters models. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I've been painting it, so let's do it. I brought up my Legion of Blood, um, okay. which was the army I was supposed to take to Brew City Brawl. Uh, so this was 40 Chain Rasps, uh, two Vampire Lords on Dragons, Neferata, and a Bloodseeker Palanquin. Okay. And we played a better part of Valor. So that one is you have six objectives that you can burn, but you have to use a battle line unit in order to burn it. So his battle line was two blobs of 30 savage orcs. Oh, jeez. Like, you had 20 savages with bows and then five pigs. But the issue is if your unit gets outside of three of said objective, you lose control of it in better part of Valor. All right. So he could only press at me with the one unit of pigs and the eight big stabbers. <laughs> um, yeah, he took one of the dragons down turn two. And it's like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, I mean, I ended up being able to pull it back. Um, but like, as soon as that first dragon went down, I'm like, that's a quarter of my army. I'm so hosed. Um, but I was able to turn it around. I don't know how. Um, actually, that's a lie. I know how. Uh, Neferata got Overwhelming Dread, which is minus one to hit and minus one bravery on a unit with an 18. And if you roll a 9+, plus, it goes off twice. Oh, she that's right. 11. Uh, got it off. So hit the same unit of 30 spears with that spell twice. And then her command ability is enemy units within X many inches are minus one to hit. So they were minus three to hit when I went in on them. 
Oh, that's beautiful. And minus three bravery just by the combination of stuff that I hit him with. So, yeah. Like, he got up all of his buffs, like, really quick. He had, like, almost 20 WA points by the end of turn one, which just keeps ticking up all the different bonuses. And it's like, wait a minute, you get plus what to hit, plus what to wound? Come on, man. Um, so yeah, it was a lot right away. It was really overwhelming. Um, but I was able to turn it around. So cool. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I guess that's it for gaming. Cause Lord knows I haven't. So, uh, other, um, I'm trying to think if there is any other that I've gotten up to since last time we talked, um, Started watching the Great British Baking Show again. Yeah, um, there's. I got all those. I haven't watched any of the new episodes yet. Yeah, I mean it's so not good. the same. It's not the same with Paul and Prue versus Paul and Mary, but still good. Prue's still good though. I mean, I miss Mary, but Prue's still good. She's not Mary, but she's good. She's right. Good. Um, so no, been watching that inconsistently, and then I talked a coworker into watching Dread. Like the Carl Urban. Carl Urban. Oh, you watched that too? Oh, dude, that is an amazing movie. You know it. It's like, uh, what's the one? It's I can't the raid. think of. The, yes, it's the raid. The, it's the raid. It is. If you've seen the raid, which is. I, you made me watch the raid. That's right. I when did. When Dread make, first came out. That's right. I made you watch the raid because the raid is amazing. It, it, you could argue it's the better film. Uh, probably just because there was less fancy effects and more just guys kicking the heck out of each other. But uh, ugh, they're both so good. Yes. Uh, and this was started from a conversation because someone made a reference to Carl Urban in The Boys, I think is a show, um, with regards to something. And my boss saw the picture of it in the email chain. He's like, who is that stud? Um so then I had to explain who Carl Urban was, and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about with any of that. He was Aomer. Um, he was Bones. He was in yes, Almost Human. Yes, he was... Yes. Uh, and so you watched Dread, huh? Yeah, so one of my coworkers is like, was Dread really that good of a movie? Yes. You should watch it. And she said, okay. Well, my boyfriend said it was a good movie, but I just didn't feel like it but now that i've heard it from two people since so she watched Ooh. it she's like that was amazing like no really the movie's fun but saw that in 3d in the theaters i don't know how i feel about 3d in general but that would be a good one for 3d maybe no it's definitely a good one for 3d and i don't even like 3d that much but that one was really fun in 3d with all the slow-mo and stuff it was awesome which goes into my other if you have any if you don't have any other other I don't think I have another other okay so let's see my other uh, I've been watching a lot of stuff having stuff on while I'm grading papers and stuff by the way uh, Star Trek lower decks on CBS all access it's uh it's the animated Star Trek show a lot of people look at it and go, oh, it's just a comedy that's set in Star Trek world. It's really not. It's Star Trek, but it's funny, and it's actually really good. And the guy who plays Huey in The Boys is uh, one of the one of the main character voices. 
Um, if you haven't watched Star Trek Lower Decks, watch it. It's su- If you like Star Trek, you will love it. It's super fun. Um, we got our Friday the 13th uh, special edition box set with the lithographs and all the movies remastered on Blu-ray and all the extra uh, supplemental stuff. Uh, and it's really, really clean and really nice. But the thing that made it super special is part three is in 3D. If you have a 3D player and a 3D TV, which I happen to have down here in the crypt. Um, so I never used the 3D. In fact, I couldn't get it to work initially when I first had it. I, like It just wasn't doing what it was supposed to do, and I couldn't figure out why, and I got pissed. And so I just never used it. And here it is, like, almost 10 years later. And my wife's like, we need to figure, you need to get that working. It's supposed to work. It's not, can't be that hard. I figured out what I was doing wrong. I got it all set up. We sat down and watched Friday the 13th, part three, in 3D. And it's been a cleaned up 3D, much better than the original theaters. Man, that was fun. All the goofy stuff, the, you know, all the weird stuff they did in the eight. Oh, look, he's waving an eyeball towards the screen. And the 3D was great. But not only was that what was fantastic, but once I realized I got the 3D to work, I went into the cabinet over here by the TV and dug out my copy of Dread. <laughs> oh. Because it came with 3D and regular Blu-ray. And I got to sit down and watch Dread again <laughs> using the cool 3D. And boy, that was also really fun in 3D as well. So yeah, I just watched that as well. Ow, that hurt. Um, other than that, I've just it's 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 October. I can give you three guesses what I've been watching. The Hunt for Red October. Are you, what? Are you serious? Just give me a ping, Vasily. Uh, One you're thing so, only, please. You are so bad. Uh, no, we've been. I've been watching obviously uh, tons of horror movies because I watch them anyway. And now that it's Halloween, there is no excuse not to watch them. So between Shutter and Netflix and Hulu and the DVDs that I own, uh, we've been. In fact, last weekend we drove all the way out to Dixon, Illinois, which is like two hours south of here, and uh, uh, my friend. Uh, my friends Mike and Mia own the the uh, the Midway Theater in Dixon, Illinois. The the drive-in. Yeah, that's right in my redneck of the woods. And um, we went down there, and we this weekend was the Halloween marathon. They're the Michael Myers marathon, they called it, and it was Halloween one, two, four, and five. So Heather and I drove down there. We got a room overnight, got there, checked in, hung out for a bit, got some dinner, and then hit the theater, um, or hit the drive-in about 5.30. Movie started about 7. Um, and we watched Halloween 1, 2, 4, and 5. We actually left partway into 5 because 5 is not not sweet. Um, but Okay, so... I have a question. Yeah. Actually, I have several questions. All right. Um, the first of which, were these the originals or the Rob Zombies? No, no, no. Halloween 1, 2, 4, and 5, the originals. Yeah. No, the original okay, movies. Fine. Great. Why did you skip three? 
Well, because it was a Michael Myers fest, and part three is Season of the Witch, and Mike My- Michael Myers is not in Halloween 3. Halloween oh, 3 is the Silver Shamrock with the masks, which is actually a really great movie, but Michael Myers is not in it. Okay. Yep, that's it. So that's why they skipped it. Sure. But I would have I would have actually liked it if it was on because I I would have just I actually if they would have just done the 1 2 and 3, I would have been super excited, but they did 1 2 4 and 5 and so that's what we watched and it was it was fantastic. Um uh, other than that, I've almost finished my Jason Voorhees Adirondack chair. Um, I've been painting the the back of the chair, uh, and I've almost got. I can't quite get the mask right. I've just been working on it, and working on it, but it's almost done. It's an Adirondack chair um, with machetes for armrests, and the whole back is Jason's chest and head. So I've been d- making that. Um, we've got our Halloween costumes ready. I got my Halloween, uh, cri- my Halloween setup here. Well, I use the the the. Uh, we have all the Halloween Town, like like the little buildings and stuff, and all the cool stuff set up. And then outside, I've got my Halloween setup. And this year, it's good. Have you seen the pictures I posted? I should post them. I'm going to post them on the Garage Hammer page. I just post them on a regular Facebook page. Um, I can't look at it. How come? It's triggering for me. Because it's like all the crazy stuff my folks did at Christmas. Because it's that over-the-top nonsense that I'm just not about. Uh, come on, don't be like, it's so good. It's so good. I got all these okay, hay bales so set let's up. let's try this. So the the effort that you put into it mm-hmm. is clearly there. And I'm really <laughs> glad that you're excited about it. But eh, it's not my thing. Uh, uh. For those of you who haven't seen it, and I will post them up on the Facebook page for the show, uh, I have hay bales set up like almost like an altar, and I got these little flickering candles uh, I put on it, and then I've got uh, a stick man, like from the Blair Witch, on the top of it, almost like an altar, and then I've got gourds and pumpkins around it, and then I went to Goodwill and I bought tons of uh, cheap dolls, uh, little plastic dolls. Okay, you can stop. Oh, God. I've, no. I've got them in a circle around the altar with their arms up, and then I went out, and some of our friends gave us more, so now they're all over the yard like they're coming closer towards the center. And the way I bought these little floodlights, I've got the back lit with blue, but the front I've got this red light shining onto it, and it shines up and hits the stick man and casts a shadow of it up onto the, the house. And then I, I found this cool little thing that does, you know the, this projects the images, and it projects Jason's uh, mask up against the sidewall of my house. And then someone gave me one of those Barbie makeup heads that's the hands and the head just and the bust so you could do her nails and her hair. And I stuck that in the bottom, sort of in the gap in the hay bales. And I backlit that with the hair all glowing blue. And it's like this this head and hands coming out. Oh, my God. It is fantastic. I am so proud of this year's Halloween setup. Um, I had some kids walking by. And there was like three girls. They were about 11 years old. And they were walking by after I pulled up to the house and I was getting out of the car. And the one girl grabs the other two and they point. She's like, what is that? And they're looking at like, what is going on? She's like, what are those dolls? What are they doing? And she's like, it looks like they're praying to that thing. And the girl's like, we need to leave. This is weird. And they ran away. And I was like, that's amazing. Well, it sounds like it was to die for. It so- was. <sighs> I am so happy. Uh you know, my kids are old enough now. I love Halloween. It was always my favorite holiday until my kids were born, and then it became Christmas because Halloween was too scary and Christmas was a lot of fun. 
But now they're old enough that I, and it's like, hey, if you're too scared, go away. You're old enough to not to know better. <coughs> oh, we have done so much creepy stuff. Of course, I've got like, I got those. Detolf display cabinets that people put their Warhammer stuff in. We got that in our living room with 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 NECA and uh, 112. Uh, we got Pinhead and we got signed Jason masks and I got a signed uh, Hellraiser cube and I got a Leatherface models in there and Jasons and Michael Myers and all the little kids and stuff because we're into that thing. So, but I will post pictures on the Facebook page. You don't have to look at it, but I think other people would find it kind of interesting because I'm. I, I'm interested, and I built it. So there you go. Okay, Jack. Yep, yep. All right. So uh, are we uh, now I know we've rambled long enough about non-Warhammer stuff. Should we take a break and come back and then talk about picking armies? Yeah, and you want to take us bring us back from the break? I will because that's what I do. Excellent. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paints? Six Squared Studios. Well then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we're back. We are back talking about picking an army. Um, with so many armies, it can be... Now, I mean, okay, if you're listening to this show, you probably already play Warhammer, and you might already have an army picked, and if you're anything like some of us, you just want to have every army. I mean, there was a time when I owned, between Harrison and I, we had 13 armies. And to me, that's a lot. Considering we would only ever play with like three of them or four of them, you know, we each had like we each had a go-to and a backup. Um, mm-hmm. But I like collecting the models, and I love buying them and building them, and priming them, and then saying I would paint them. Um, great gravy! What is you? What are you drinking? Dr Pepper. Oh, there's a ice. lot of ice. I can hear the ice. That's amazing. So listen, it's awful picking. <laughs> An army um, for people, or I mean, maybe, but there, there's as many ways to pick an army as there are ar- armies to play and players to play those armies. Um, but maybe you got a friend who wants to get into it, and you know, I tell you what, it was hard to get people to play back in Eighth Edition when you needed 700 models to play. Um, and now in Age of Sigmar, you've got 
a little bit more variety and a little bit options to play some more elite armies and you don't necessarily have to do all that. Um, but if you're going to bring someone in, there's lots of different things you can do. And so we just figured it might be fun to talk about uh, different options and different ways that we look at choosing armies or maybe because I've got a couple of friends who have just just dipped their toes into AOS and they're like, oh, I don't know what to play. And so, you know, this might be a, you know just a way to make some suggestions and talk to people about what they might want to do or might want to build. So, um, Alex, what do you uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Just uh, just general opening thoughts. What kind of stuff do you do when you're picking an army? Or you you said a couple episodes ago you have like a bajillion armies. So I only have four, but I've played almost all of them. You only have four? I thought you had like thousand points worth of like everything or something like that. Uh, did I totally? I must be misremembering this. I you know I was. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, you know what? That was the Guinness night. So maybe I am misremembering. That this. was the Guinness night. That was a fun night, at least for me. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> um, in any event, no. So I've gone through a lot of different armies myself. Mm-hmm. Um. I've had two different Vampire Counts armies, two different Tomb King armies. Uh, I played Wood Elves once upon a time. I played Beastmen. I tried Bretonians. I tried High Elves. Um, what else? Okay, so like what, constantly... When did you start playing? Like, what edition did you start playing in? I started playing in 6th. In 6th. Okay, I started at the very... Like, when I got interested, sixth, seventh ed book was just like coming out that week, literally, when I talked to Barnett about this. So, like, I got in right at the start of seventh. Um, what was your first army? So, I actually had a really weird thing. I got into 40K first. That's not weird. A lot of people do that. Yeah, um, because that's the game that my friends played. Uh huh. Um, and then I fortunately, like, my home store was the Chicago Battle Bunker. Okay. Um, and I went through that in its heyday. So I got a demo game of Fantasy at one point, and I'm like, all right, this is cool. Uh, so then I picked up a box of zombies. What was the demo? Do you remember? Um, it wasn't Battle for Skull Pass yet, was it? It was Empire versus Orcs. Ooh, okay. So... And that kit I remember very fondly because when I worked for the company, I had that same box at the time that I was doing demos. Um, so Worked for what company? I worked for Workshop for about six months. Oh, did you? I did not know that. Yeah, I worked for GW when I was in college. Uh, I was actually hired on as an outrider. Okay. Probably don't know what that is. That's like a press ganger and uh, uh, that type of thing. Sort of. So I was a GW employee, but I was stationed at another store uh, specifically to like grow the community, get people involved, um, and get them in and start getting them playing and buying product. So I worked for Games Workshop. They had me at the Geneva store for a little while too. Um, but my primary assignment, ironically enough, was the Hobbytown USA in Rockford. Okay. I only lasted for two weeks uh, at the Hobbytown store because it was not a good place to be. Oh, okay. Uh, to be honest, the uh, staff there were not very nice to me. Wow. Um, they did not have a very positive opinion of Games Workshop. They just wanted the contract to get people in and buy stuff. Um, ah. 
So interesting. There's a long story for that. Um, Let's but, avoid that though. Let's just go yeah. on to. So I, I bought a box of zombies because uh, I was originally going to do vampires because Manfred von Karstein. There's a reason why I like Manfred. He was one of the first models I bought in addition to the zombies. Uh, and so, then, so your first fantasy army was vampire counts. It was vampire counts. Okay, because there's a long way to get to that answer. I'm just saying. Like I know I, I know, take forever to tell a story, but way good lord. Um, but then I had a change of heart because I did some research online. So then I turned that box of zombies into a box of night goblins. Oh, okay. So you never actually built that army? At that point, no. Okay, you just bought zombies and Manfred and then said, oh, I'm going to change my mind. Yeah, so then I switched and went down the Night Goblin train hard. Um, and then I did Ogres when they first came out. Because so then your first army was really Night was Orcs and Goblins because you didn't actually build uh-huh. any of the Vampire Goblins. It was, oh, but you know what I mean. It was in the book yeah. Orcs and Goblins. Okay. Yeah. So the first proper army I ever did for fantasy was Goblins. Okay. And then I did Ogres because Ogres. the models were cool at the time when they first came out. Like, I had the limited edition box when they first came out. Um, this massive, heavy box of plastic and metal. Um, and I bought them originally because I wanted uh, mercenaries to go with my goblins. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Cool. That's where it started. Oh, that's right, because they were able to be mercenaries. You used to be able to take mercenaries. Well, you can take mercenaries now, but that was like a big deal. Yeah, you could take units called Dogs of War. Right, um, right. Which basically filled up your rare selection at the time. Um, there were some additional restrictions on like the number of things you could take, kind of like what we have now. But it was like you could only ever take two units of something or three units of something. Right. So... Um, yeah, that's where it got started, but, um, I've wobbled back and forth between so many different armies, so. So what made you pick goblins? Like, they were funny. So that's, so you, okay, when we're talking here about how you pick an army, you looked at the zombies and you looked at Manfred, you said, Manfred's so cool, I want to do a Manfred army, and then you bought the zombies, and you're like, I'm going to build these, and then before you even built them, you looked at the goblins, and you're like, these things are clever, and so it was, was it the story, or was it the actual models? The models at the time were pretty terrible, um, because they were the monkey hands goblins. Oh, Um, yeah, 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 I've got, I had, I have a few of those. Yeah, no, they were awful. Um, but I read more into their background about what they were about and the things that they did. They were cunning then, but brutal. No, they were cunning but weedy. Um, <laughs> and then I looked up what a fanatic was. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that just sounds like fun. So then it switched and I haven't looked back. Like, I've done a number of night goblin armies already like four um so in the my... fanatic that model pushed you over the edge and sold you on that army yes nice okay and so and you, and you have i mean i since i've known you you've always had an, a goblin army and you don't do orcs like when you had goblins you and and you had like the little did you have in your goblin army did you have uh war machines like yes. rock lobbas and stuff. Did you have an orc bully? No. 
You didn't even take a bully. Like he actually made it better for your guys. Like they would they 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 they. they you like on the tabletop he actually made that unit better but you didn't take it cuz you were not into orcs no interesting no i thought orcs were too dumb um and had no sense of humor because like when i thought about orcs i was thinking about black orcs and just the their description of it is like the militaristic no sense of humor can't laugh or smile or be smart they're just big dumb brutes so mm. that was my perception of them and i didn't like their models either <laughs> so <laughs> um i started like really focusing on goblins um because at the time the biggest thing that goblins did was magic and shoot so cool like i had a sorcerer like a full-on like magic coven of goblins just feeding in and stomping all over people with the foot of gork uh, that was great fun. So I had giants, I had trolls, I had spider riders, I had wolf riders, but not an orc to be had. That's that's dedication because in that army, you, a few, a couple of orcs could take you a long way. I mean, you they, had an uphill battle. You had an uphill battle with that no. army. No, I did not. You did really well with it. At one point, I was in the top 10 of ranked players what? playing How? just goblins. Look at you. And it was just weird. And here I am thinking you're just a dour, sourpuss who knows how to, who, who just is like a, a weird Warhammer savant. And there you are, an actual Warhammer savant. At one point, I was really good because soft scores were also helping my placing. Uh, because ironically enough, the army that I was kicking teeth in was my circus. Oh, my goblins. Oh, so your paint scores were good. And, oh, that would do really well uh, with the uh, comp, which we don't have anymore. But when we did, uh, I see. It did extremely well with comp because goblins were underrated at that point. If you're um, a listener who just started listening since Age of Sigmar came out back in the Warhammer fantasy days, of, especially of 6th, 7th edition, um, the game was so flipping out of balance that you would have things called comp in tournaments, which were basically um, your army, if you brought in... Basically, by the end of 7th edition, there were three armies who you would just take, and they always had like one or two lists in those armies, and you'd take them and they would just smash face. And so if basically they would rank your army points and you would start off, if you took a really hard as nails army, uh, you would um, basically start off with negative points um, right. w because you know you're going to rank up heavy wins. So this way it evened it out. And if you took a, a really soft list, you would start with extra bonus points. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just and for anyone who didn't know what that was, that what comp was, because um, yeah, I know but, there's got to be people out here who have no idea what you're talking about, and that's fine. Um, I'm really surprised I remember it. Um, I remember I, a lot of it because I thought comp was fascinating. I would get into some of those those ways that you could build lists. Christopher and I would always build our lists and check out because we never went to tournaments, but we would listen to it on Podhammer and we would go and get those comp rules. And we'd be like, we'd, we'd score up our lists and we'd be like, oh, okay. And then we would actually try to build lists that were at least similar comp scores. Yeah, I mean, for what it was, it was a decent tool. But um, I was also doing really well against things that I had no business doing better against. 
playing goblins. Um, because I played a lot of little mental games. And we'll talk about this when we get into like how to pick an army properly. Um, you may not think about it, but I'm a control player at heart. So I was like a play style. And at the time, goblins were actually very good for control and preventing you from doing things and then getting in your head and making you make interesting decisions. I see. So, I mean, I may or may not have played mind games with my opponents. Um, Like on my display board, I would have all of my units of my goblins, but then I would have enough fanatics on my board so this way you couldn't figure out how many I had in each unit. I see, I see. So I would put down a unit of 20 fanatics, or a 20 archers, and run them at the biggest, scariest thing that the other guy had, and they would have to run away from them because the fanatics at the time just did D6 strength 5 hits with no armor save. So it generally means they wounded on threes, maybe twos, with no save, period. Like, you just... Um, so I had this one weedy unit of 20 archers and with how it was in the game, like as soon as you got within eight inches of that unit, the fanatics come out and then they screw up everything. Well, you run that at a big unit of chaos knights or chaos warriors or whatever. The other guy's going to run away because he doesn't want to lose his unit to a bunch of weedy goblins. Right. And then they get within eight inches and the got and the fanatics don't come out and they're like, wait a minute, where are the fanatics? I don't have any. And then they promptly murder the unit, but they spend half the game running away from him. So. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Anyway. So. So that was your first army. Mm -hmm. And you picked it because you loved us. But see, that's an interesting, that's an interesting uh, decision for why, why to pick your army. It's just, I loved that, that model. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, um. And then you said after that you went to Ogres and then you went to some Wood Elves for a while. And Ogres, you just got them because you loved the models too? Well, they were big, fat, hungry guys. <laughs> yes. So it kind of fit in. I like the concept of the gastromancy. Uh, so that's the Butchers. Um, I just thought they were a cool army. And then I found a play style that worked. For me, again, the control style, uh, playing Ogres... But I played it in such a weird way that a lot of people didn't know what I was doing. Oh, so, because cool. at the time, like everyone's taking like these big blocks of ogres, and I took units of three, which was the smallest size. So I played MSU, so minimum small units. Mm-hmm. Um, but I flooded the field, and at the time you could flee when you got charged. So I would run away, send another unit in in the flank. You have no response to it because you were stuck in a trap. Cool. So yep. Anyway. So how do you, you know? So has your has how you choose armies changed, or do you um, still kind of go by that's a cool model? I go by a number of different factors that I think everybody goes by. Mm-hmm. But and what might those be? The order of operations is really the difference between people because there's some people that'll pick the power army like just what kicks the most amount of teeth on the table yeah what's the hardcore what's the best yeah Yeah. i mean that's like i said when we were playing at the at the in seventh it was like 
you'd go to a tournament and I'd play five games and I would play at least three of them against either demons, dark elves, or vampire counts. At least three of the games of the five because it was just, ugh, this is what people were playing. And then after exactly. you lose those first couple of games, then you're down at the bottom tables with all the people who didn't bring that and you could play against cool stuff. Yes. Um, but that's what it was at some point. But at this point, the concept hasn't changed. So it's like, what kind of power level do I want to play to? What models do I like? Just hard stop. Like, what models do I like? Mm-hmm. So, and then, like, is there a particular play style that I want to explore? Is there a particular uh, color scheme? Is there a particular conversion? Is there a particular narrative hook? Like, everybody. You really, you really has... look for paint schemes and conversion opportunities when you're deciding to pick an army? Yes. Interesting. I That is never once. Well, okay, pa- okay, paint scheme. Uh, that, yes, that that. But like conversion up. Uh, I just don't do conversions. Nobody's okay. surprised by that. So let's try this hobby. Okay, just general hobby aspect. Okay. Um, but the thing is, everyone has their own order of how it is, and it changes as you go through your gaming experience. Hmm. So, like for the goblins, I got into them because the models looked cool. And it just went down that very massive squig cave. Um, for like one of my more recent projects, the Legion of Blood Vampires, I wanted to play a monster mash list. So it was... Well, it is what? October. Yes. Sure. Um, so monster mash list. <laughs> All right, great. So what armies can do that? Uh I'm looking at like bloodthirsters, keepers of secrets, great yeah. unclean ones. Yeah, demons can do that. Um, yeah, demons, Skaven to a point if you take a lot of vermin lords. Um, chaos. Uh, chaos has that in spades, yeah. just in general, because they have a lot of monsters characters. They've got a whole menagerie. They got the manticores and the all that other stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Destruction has some good options with maw crushers. Mm-hmm. Now with gargants, so. Like, it was just figuring out, okay, what are those options from there? And then what models do I like? And what, like, particular aspect of playing a Monster Mash? What isn't being seen right now? Because I don't want to just pick up Tyrants of Blood or whatever it is, uh, Blood Council or whatever, where it's like the five Bloodthirsters and you just go first one attacks, the whole chain attacks. I wanted to try to do something different. So that's how I landed on the Legion of Blood with the Court of Nulamia because it's something that isn't being seen. Neferata very rarely makes an appearance on the table. And the vampire dragons are actually legit cool models. That they are. So it's just you have to take in a lot of consideration, but then it just changes over time. Deepkin. I did them because I had an emotional attachment to them. And I liked the theme and the narrative of them. And I developed like a paint scheme on how I was going to do it because I didn't like the high elf looking paint scheme that was the box bu- the box art. Okay. So, and then it's like, okay, so then what play style do I want to play? I want to play control. I want to play fast. I want to dictate the terms of the game. So what lets me do that? Eels. Sharks. So... It's just everything is different based on where you are at the time 
and what your interests are. So like there are some people that say, well, you just pick the hardest stuff, pick the models you like. Everyone goes through different phases and they put them in different orders at different times. So it's just understanding that you can't pick the same army the same way every time. Yeah, that is that true. Make sense? Yeah. I, I yeah. I suppose the longer you play, the more how you pick an army is gonna change. I I can see I can see that. Yeah, and it also depends on. The well, I mean, not necessarily. Uh, yeah, I mean, if yeah, I mean, you might you might be just chasing the meta, which is harder, I think, exactly. now than it used to be. But because things come out so rapidly and change so quickly, but you could just be one of yeah. those people who just buys an army, whips it up, gets it out, goes to a tournament, does really well, then sells it and starts the next one. Um, whatever's big and and scary and does really well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of options, and there. there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, no trying to figure out what it is for you about that particular army or what you want to do. Yeah, it's so. it's it, it it actually a lot of it comes back to how you like to play the game, I guess, you know? Yes. Yeah. So um Yeah, for me it was a little bit different. Um I started playing, I was just playing with Lord of the Rings when they first came out with it, and then that's when Barnett moved back to Chicago from where he was living in Indiana, and um, I was like, I found this cool new game, and he came over and was like, oh, Lord of the Rings, and he's like, yeah, I know this game, because he was working at a game store, and we were playing, he's like, you know, if you really like this, you should really actually try their other games, Warhammer or Warhammer 40K, and I was like, really? And he's like, yes, and so... We went online and we looked at it and he's like, I have armies for both games. So whichever one interests you the most, we could play. And I looked at them both and I kind of looked through them and I said, you know, fantasy. Like I love, you know, I love sci-fi and fantasy, you know. But I looked at this and um, the the fantasy aesthetic just sort of grabbed me a little more. And I said, I think I'd rather play fantasy. And and Barnett's like, oh, thank God. Um. Because he was he was he was not having fun with 40k at the time, um, mm-hmm. but he had the army because he was working at the game store and he was actually painting up armies and things and doing classes on painting and things like that. I don't know if he's doing class classes, but he was doing you know painting up stuff. But you know he was he was having way more fun with his dark elves and his brets and his tomb kings and his tall hat chaos dwarves than he was having with anything in 40k. So. When I chose fan, like I, I suppose, had I chose forty k, he would have just gone along with that, and then we might have never had this show. Or if we did, it would be a very different show. Um, but uh, you know, I'm very pleased with, 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 you know, with having chosen fantasy. But we sat around, and he brought over all his books and all his stuff one day, and I mean that that now that's that's something Barnett and I can do bring over a bunch of rule books and just sit and spend the entire day looking at rules and reading lore. And especially if like he knew a lot of this stuff and he was introducing me to it and he was just excited to share that sort of stories and stuff like that. You know, we both were, were very much more into the world and the stories uh, necessarily than uh, the minutia of the rules and the mechanics. We just liked, you know, the, the stories you could be like the narrative 
And so he brought over a bunch of stuff, and we started looking through it. And he had all the books and stuff because, like I said, he worked at the game store. And so what we were doing was he was – I had someone there with me. And I think this kind of goes back to some of the things I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit, which is if you're bringing a new person into it. Uh, I I was lucky enough that I had Chris with me, and he he showed me the armies he had, and so I I didn't want to pick any of those. You know, because I want to pick something that so we have opposite, you know, something to play that wasn't, you know, mirror matching. Yeah. And at one point, mirror matching in this game was just awful. Um, And to a certain point, it still kind of is. Yeah. But there's so much variety now that especially like even just within a book, because Kraith play very different than Hagnar or... Whatever, or, or, I mean, you can play, you can play Stormcast, and you can literally not not have almost any of the same models. Exactly. Yeah. I, so there is more variety now, but so we looked through, and then we started talking about different things we liked. You know, what type of stuff stuff do you like in in fantasy? I was very. Um, I remember him showing me orcs and goblins, and they, you know, they were like the, you know, it was the soccer hooligan thing. And I was just like clown princes of. I'm like, oh god, oh they they were my least favorite. I hated them for the longest time. Now I love them, but oh, I hated orcs and goblins for the longest time, just because I was just like they're just goofy and their rules were goofy. And he's like, but it's fun, and I'm like, no, forget that. Um, we went through. I've always been partial to dwarves in fantasy and everything else. Um, and so I looked at that, and I kind of I, I looked at that army, and I'm like, "This is a pretty cool army." The models were really tiny, um, and they didn't play in all the phases. And you know, Chris and I were talking about it, and uh, I came down to looking at the different models in the book and the different stuff. And I actually, and this is before vampire counts became the powerhouse that they were. Vampires. I mean, I love everything vampires. You know. And I looked at it, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I started looking at that and all the stuff. And I actually, my first army was probably going to be a Vampire Counts army. Um, and it was after, like I said, a week or so of going through all the different armies, reading up on some of their lore, looking at the cool things they could do. I had, I had narrowed it down to I really like the story and sort of the feel of there's this Vampire Counts, which is just hordes of stuff coming at you, um, you know. Uh, you didn't take psychology tests. You didn't, uh, you know, you, you you had magic. You didn't have any shooting, but you just had hordes and hordes of stuff, and it just kept coming. Um, and it was it was pretty. It was a, a cool concept. I really liked it. And then there were dwarves, which were had no magic. They were very slow, but it was like everything. You know, they just sat there and shot at you while you came at them. And by the time you got there, they'd whittled you down a bit. And then it was like waves crashing on the rocks. I'm like, that's a really cool thing, too. Um, and what it actually came down to for me, which I think is surprising because of how, you know, that's not even my be- my favorite part of the hobby. But I looked at them both and I said, <clears throat> I looked at all those pictures of the dwarf models in the books, the big, bright, colorful the armor and the colors and the and the banners and all that. And then I kept looking at the Vampire Counts army, which was flesh, blood, and bone. And I'm like, ugh. And Christopher did say, he's like, you're going to have to get a lot more models for the Vampire Counts army because the point costs for them are much lower. 
And I said, do I want to paint a lot more models in just flesh, blood, and bone, flesh, blood, and bone, and make them look dirty? Or do I want to paint a few less models and be able to paint in these bright primary colors with these beautiful armor and all this armor and bright colors and that's what that's what sold me on on the dwarfs was the bright colors and the there was it was that uh just this is what i'm going to have to be painting and i don't i, I didn't think i wanted to paint that i actually didn't wind up getting a vampire counts army they were my second third fourth army that was eventually, and now I mean that's still it's the only one I still have from. Now it's Legions of Nagash, but that's the only one I still have from all the old stuff anymore. Um, I do find it interesting that the one thing that you mentioned was the cinematic aspect. What do you mean? So you, and I think this again fits into your personality uh-huh. because you are a movie nerd. Yes, I am. For and a lot of them are bad, but that's besides the point. You imagined in your head how the army played and what that would actually look like in, like if they were proper animated armies and actually engaging in a fight. The endless amount of dead things that get knocked down, but then they get up again. You ain't never going to keep them down. Right. And then things that can't even reach the bar. But they stand there, you know, this unyielding force that you just cannot break. You put the cinematic first. I totally did. In fact, that was one of my big screw-ups was I started buying all these models on eBay because they were people were selling Skull Pass stuff and things like that on the cheap. And I wasn't even thinking about building lists. I'm like, oh, I need these, and this is cool, and this is cool. Before I knew it, I had bought, like, and then, like, I started to get all this stuff together, and I started to write lists. I'm like, I have, like, four thousand. Like, I, I can't even use all this. Mm-hmm. Just because I was just picturing the dwarf throngs, and I was reading the rules. And, yeah, like I said, I, I was picturing how it would look in my head in a movie or in a book. Uh, and that's, that's – well, and when I play, that's kind of I, – I, you know, that's – it, you know, the game is a representation. It's an abstract, which is why you sometimes have weird rules and sometimes things don't quite seem to make sense because the way that they write the rules for it is because it's got to fit onto a, you know, onto this battle. I mean, you read stories of Stormcast and they come in with hundreds. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never played with more than like 38 models when I play Stormcast, but it's a whole army, you know. Exactly. It's an abstract, but I do. I, I picture that in my head that way i i you know um and and but that's what attracts me to playing these different armies that's what makes me want to do it is what does it look like to me what is it doing with me in my in my head i think it's pretty cool um so that that's where my picks come from that's how when i was first deciding that's what i was doing um, you know, I think it's about time we take a break. We've been going about 40 minutes or so. Yeah, we've been rambling. Down or no, actually, but only about 35 minutes. Well, I mean, hey, we're just talking about how we pick armies. Um, we have a lot more to discuss, but let's take a break. And then when we come back, um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking about how we pick armies. Okay. We'll be back. Mm-hmm. 
something happened at Grognard's. That's right, friends. Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, and at grognardgames.com. They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup. Or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons and Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. They've got a huge pre-owned section. And you can find it on grognardgames.com or in the store. Now, you can't play in the store right now. Still got to have social distancing protocols. And if I got to stay more than six feet away from you, probably can't play a game of Magic. Probably going to be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either. But you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards. Because if the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're going to need stuff. And you can find it at Grognards. And why? You know why. Because there's always something happening at Grognards. And we are back, continuing with our rambling thoughts about all the cool things about picking your different armies. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um... Yeah, after, and then and then if we're going to talk about picking armies, uh, if we're going to pick up with my story, my second army was Wood Elves. And I chose that army uh, basically because it was the polar opposite of the dwarf army that I'd been playing, and I wanted to try something different, something that had almost no armor and was really fast and ran all over the board doing crazy stuff. So I went with that. And then I think it was Ogres, and then Orcs and Goblins. No, and then Vampire Counts, and then Orcs and Goblins. And it was just because I was trying, I wanted to try different play styles and different things. I liked Ogres because Ogres were basically like dwarves on crack. (laughs) They were big. They had a decent armor save. They just would smash things. And, uh,. And they just they moved a lot faster. So, but uh, and then Harrison picked high elves simply because he liked how they looked and he loved the idea of these 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 beautiful, you know, in, you know, super superhuman sort of creatures. Um, plus, he liked always strikes first, and he was just mm-hmm. like these are really cool. And so that was Harrison's. Pick. You know, I mean, he just picked because he's like, I like these models and I like the idea. Um, and I'm just sold on the fact that this is a cool idea. And then he read the lore on them and he read about Teclas. And that is still to this day. I mean, he's been playing since he was eight. And it's still his favorite character in the game from anything. And that, that that can do it too. Like you said, you picked it because of Manfred. Uh, you know, you you have a model that you're just like that model sells me. Yeah, and that has happened a lot where it's like the one juicy model just kind of ticks it over the edge. Um, like fanatics, Manfred, when the goblins came back out in seventh edition, they brought back Skarsnik and Gobla. Like that kit was like, yep. Uh, definitely going to do that. So, 
there's a lot of stuff that you can find that will draw you in. Um, it's just a matter of trying to figure out what's important to you at the time. So like the way I'm looking at my next project is I want to do a conversion army. Mm. Like hard stop. I okay. want every model converted. So what could I do as an army that can be every model converted, which is then what extreme theme can I put on something? Because for the most part, most of my models are stock. I don't do a lot of conversion. Yeah, uh, no, I don't either. I don't enjoy converting all that much. That is not a thing. I'm not good at it, and I don't care. Like, I'm not good at it either. I don't have the I, creativity for it. Like, I've tried it. I literally did try it when we first started. And guess what? My conversions were terrible. And I was like, this this hobby is too damned expensive <laughs> for me to be screwing up models, playing around. Like, these models look good. I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. No. So, like, the next project that I'm going to do is going to be all conversion. Like, there will not be a stock model in the bunch. Wowie zowie. Uh, now, do we know what army that is, or is that that, that oh, you've been talking about that Vampire Count stuff you've been buying, or Legions of Nagash stuff you've been buying, whatever it is? That's part of it. Look at Not you. Screw it, I can talk about it. Uh, cities of Nagash. Cities of... Wait, so is it a Cities of Sigmar army with mm-hmm. Nagash models? With... So, the thing that got me... Um, pre-Shyish Necroquake, and this is part of the narrative fix, is that you actually had cities of the living that live alongside the dead. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are a lot of different views about, like, which gods of the dead there are. Now, granted, it's all in the gash, but it's just everybody views the true god of death differently. So, the thought is... Why not create that as a city in Shyish that has a number of different death cults and they worship some different aspect of Nagash? Interesting. So, but it is so, going to be a Cities of Sigmar army. Yeah, the rules will be Cities of Sigmar. Um, the units will be Cities of Sigmar, but it's also what different conversions can I apply to all of these models? So, my way of, for instance, like, my f- hands-down favorite kit is the Flagellant kit. I, I, I knew that. Knows this. Yes. yes. I've painted entirely too many. I'm going to paint more. <laughs> um, except I'm going to do them as, like, Nagashites. And that is something that has been mentioned in the background about Nagash has sects and cults. Sect. Sects. S-E-C-T-S. Okay. Yes. Um, in different cults and communities in the various cities of the mortal realms. Um, so, like, the lore there is established. Because even in uh, Glimpse Forge, when we are reading the Soul Wars book, like the Black Library book, there's a group that worships Nagash. Uh-huh. Because that's their resident god. So the human component is going to be, like, actual worshippers of Nagash. Okay. I'm going to be working on a Phoenix Guard contingent. So those will actually be a cult of the Dark Phoenix type conversion. So it's going to be the Black Guard 
bodies with Wildwood Ranger heads and the blades from the Grave Guard with Great Weapons Kit. See, man, okay. God bless you. That's just a lot of work and a lot of that's 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 a lot of different models to go make a model. That that it I mean, I get it. I just I mm, mm. Uh, hey, if you if you can do it and it's going to look great, I am super super excited for you. Um that is just not my thing. Not at all. It's really not my thing, but I want a challenge now. Because um, I've been painting so many miniatures, and they're all stuck because I'm trying to get it done. Because it irritates me that I have this massive backlog of stuff, and I'm already thinking about the next project as I'm clearing through the massive backlog of stuff. Ugh. So, what it then boils down to is, I want to do something cool, and I want to do something converted, and I want to do something that is very unique and different and then it's like okay so what else could i do and then 40k actually just kicked it over the edge because the Catan shard of the void dragon model Mm. that guy is about the same size and dimensions and base as a celestine prime Uh, look at you take that model and you make some D40K parts to it, you suddenly have a, I don't want to, like a Nagashite Prime or something like that. And it's pretty much stock standard, but just detectified enough. And then one of my, and the reason I got into Necrons in the first place as my first 40K army was the Nightbringer. Okay. And then, I don't know if you're familiar with that model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the big Grim Reaper looking thing. Okay, what if that is like a Knight of Zeros shining the light of death on things? And see, look at you. But that's the thing. It's just like it's one thing after another because I'm actively pushing myself to try to do something different. So I'm doing something that is not necessarily going to be the most competitive thing in the world um, because I'm not going maximum guns. I'm not going... Like down the power path of like hammer of a hollow heart with the teleporty bridge of Bob. So I just want to do something that is going to be unique, something different, and something appealing to different people, and that's the goal. Hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, that that's just that is uh, it's funny because this is why you're picking this army because it's out all these conversion opportunities and that is so not anything like uh, th- that that would never even cross my mind like not even the in the slight and I know there's people who do this every time a new army comes out they're like yeah I like that army but I'm building all my own models for that army and I'm just like uh, nope I mean I fully understand that I will not have something to the level of like Steve Herner because I'm not the level of hobbyist that he is not the point but he is but him Vince and like some of these other top tier hobbyists especially on the conversion aspect I may not be as good as they are 
but I, in order for me to grow as a hobbyist and do better, this is my weak point is conversion. So I am going to make it a point to try and do better. I get you. Hey, and, and you know what? That's, and that's, I, I, I kind of felt that way for a while with all of my hobbying. And then I got to the point and said, you know what? I'm just, this is the level I'm at and I'm content with it. I just want to, I just want to, you know what it is? I like to build models. I've always, since I was a kid, I've liked to build models. Not the best at painting them. Not a really good player. But if I had just unlimited cash, I would own all the armies. Not for any other reason than I would like to build all these different models and just have them and look at them, put them together, get a coat of primer on them so it's all nice and even and cleaned up if you have to do any gap filling or anything. I love it. But that's me. You know what I'm saying? And that, and when I pick armies... Um, in fact, wow, uh, I haven't I haven't purchased too many armies in the last few years. Um, in fact, I picked Stormcast, and that was really the only army I was really um, building. Uh, I did pick up a, a box of Arcanauts and one of the ships because I just thought they were so cool because, you know, they're Dwarden. Um, but... I, you know, I had my legions in Nagash, and I started uh, rebasing them, and that was just too darn many models, and I kind of pushed that aside, and I just played Stormcast forever because I really liked the Stormcast. I liked how they looked. I liked the aesthetic, and I liked the story of them. I liked that whole coming down on bolts of lightning to free the mortal realms. It wasn't until Nighthaunt came out, and I'm like, these. That, that suddenly my... My love for vampire counts slash legions of Nagash slash the undead stuff. I was like, oh, this really. And I'm like, you know, I could just own all the undead armies and just, I was like, I could totally do this. Own all the undead armies and be content just to play undead uh, and play death armies. And then the Bone Reapers came out and I said, nah, pass. Uh, I just don't have to own all of them anymore. Um but and that was one that and there's one picking armies when i heard about bone reapers coming out i'm like new death army i'm in because that was what was driving my choices at the time was is it following this undead thing once again the idea of the ghosts coming out the zombies coming out of the ground you know the 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 I mean, before Age of Sigmar came out, you know, I mean, I had hundreds and hundreds of zombies because that was how I played. I just played, you, you know, I have all this crappy model, but there's a bajillion of them and they will weigh you down under their numbers. Um, and I was content with that. I was so happy just to do that. Um, but, you know, then then that came out and the model aesthetic just was like, I, it, it totally threw me off i went from yes i absolutely have to have this to no you know what i'm gonna pass um because you never know what's gonna grab you or not grab you but i'd like to talk about one more thing and we've talked about how we pick you know our uh, so, now you did uh, um your uh deepkin you did your deepkin because that was wasn't that the first book you helped play test for and that was like yeah and that and there's an interesting reason it's not a reason most of us can you know relate to or will ever have a chance to relate to but 
the, there was a sentimentality there that just grabbed you right for that army, right? There was a sentimentality and then the understanding of what it was, which is elves that are soul raiders from the deeps. Uh, because I'll be perfectly honest with you, until I started working on the Deepkin book, I had strongly considered doing an Order Serpentis army. Aha. Because I liked the cavalry aspect for the speed. I liked the dragons. I like I legit like a number of parts of what is now um or what was Dark Elves. And mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with my playgroup from before. Because I'm playing games against like the original Dark Elf players in the area, like Tanya and John. Okay. So I played with them quite frequently. And at one point for a tournament at uh, UGG, I borrowed John's Dark Elf army That's back right. in 7th or 8th. And he had this big unit at Drake Spawn. And I really enjoyed playing with them. And I love those models. They're so great. And then it's just like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then Deepkin just dropped in my lap. And it's like, they're like, evil elves this is great and then they look like high elves and then <laughs> proper high elves come out and all the better yeah um the funny thing with dark elves was barnett played them and i read their lore and now their dark elf models were cool and the army was great like mm-hmm. no reason why not to play that army the models were really cool. The army was great. That was one that the lore turned me off to playing them. Like, I just, I hated seeing that army win because you read it and you're like, ugh, they're so, they're just evil. Like, they're just out there on murder sprees. Like, they, I'm like, I don't even understand how this army, how this race survived. It's like, they, the witch elves are killing off, el- like, dark elves. Like, they're just, they kill off everything. Like, how does this race even exist when they're killing each other, when there's no one else to kill, it made no sense to me. Like in ev- whenever I heard that a dark elf army lost a game, I was like, "Good," because they're they, I just so hated what they were and what they stood for. Um, I actually had to cut, sort of like I actually one day actually kind of really pissed off Christopher because like he was playing, he lost. I'm like, "Good," he's like, "Come on, man, you're my friend." I'm like, "No, nah, dude, I don't want you to lose. I just hate when that army wins, and it's nothing personal. I hate when anyone wins with that army." Um, I have since gotten over that stupidity, but it was just something that really turned me off. Was that the lore for that army? I was just like, "Nope, nope," and oh, by the way, nope. So. Um, let's talk a little bit before we're going to, I mean, we're going to wrap up in a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about if you're bringing a new player into the game, um, someone who hopefully has actually seen you play a game first, you know, play a game against your friends, at least come over and seen it. This is the game we play, or at least seen some of the models, seen some aspect and not coming in completely blind because... You know, you got to have something to attract them to the game other than, hey, we really play this cool game and we're really into it and you should too because this is a major investment and you'd like to at least see them make sure that they're they're honestly interested in the game. But if you've got someone who's honestly interested in the game or maybe they've played other war games and they're interested in the game, um, what do you do to steer them towards an army that is, that they're going to like and not turn around and 
you know, because I would just you, you feel horrible getting someone to get into this game and they invest in an army and then they're like, I hate this army. Or I hate the way it plays, or I hate the, I hate how this works because you don't want to see that happen because it is a large and I'm not just talking about monetary investment. There is a time investment in this, mm-hmm. in the building yeah. and the painting. Unless they buy something used that was already painted, there's an investment of time and effort here that you would just hate to see squandered or ruined or upsetting. I mean, it would just you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you want to see know, them absolutely. really enjoy their first army, basically. So, so I think the big thing that I start with is just to like explain the basic mechanics of the game um, and explain that it's not just about kicking your opponent's teeth in. You have to play to score objectives, and you have to play this way. Like, just the basic mechanics of the game first, and then when you pick your army, it's the first thing I generally recommend for somebody new is to look at the models. Uh, okay. Because, as we've discussed, that's what you're playing, or that's what you're going to be working on. You're going to be putting more time investing initially up front into painting and building these models. So you should pick the stuff that appeals to you visually for you to work on. Yeah. Once they've kind of settled on a few options, Mm -hmm. not just one, then go over each of that army's play styles and the different strengths and weaknesses to that army. Because it's like, if I'm going to try to explain to somebody how deep kin work i would have a really hard time selling them on the marty because eels are just like more such more points effective models mm-hmm. um and you're not going to see a lot of the marty mm-hmm. so it's like if you want to play infantry i don't know if deep kin would be your army if you like the more cavalry aspect to it and like the fast strike and stuff then we can talk about it. So it's just trying to explain like the different ways that you can play each one of these armies. And there's a ton of different ways to do it. And then kind of letting them decide from there. And then maybe try out a practice game. I mean, proxy hammer is a thing for a reason. I mean, I'm sure you have a ton of extra bases. It's not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. Or even if they borrow one of your armies and play it out, something similar to Deepkin... Is it weird uh, that I've never really played Proxy Hammer? No. Like, I know what it is, and I know people do it, and it's like, okay, I want to try this out. I don't want to run out and buy a bunch of stuff, so I'm just going to use other things for it for right now. And I totally get that. Uh, I just never, like... <laughs> and, and Okay, and that's the OCD and the completest in me. Once I decide I'm buying an army, I'm going to have a couple of every unit even if I never play that unit, because I have to have the army, not just some of the army. I need the army. So that's just me. I've never had to play proxy because I have a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. You know that, And that's, yeah. and that is not always the wisest way to go about buying an army. Um, right. You know, uh, I know a lot of people, they pick an army and they look at the army and they, and they sort of write that list out that they think they're going to want to play with. And then they do. They they play it with other models, make sure that they like the list, and then go out and buy that mo- the models they need to play that list. And then if they decide to adjust it later, they'll pick up extra models. I do it the exact opposite way, the much less uh, time and money effective way of I'll just take all of it and then figure it out later, which is a legit way to do it. There's a lot of people who do it that way. It's just... Like I said, not the necessarily the most effective one with your time and your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's a process. And maybe for some, they need to like read a bit more on the background. Maybe they need to read a black library book or something like that. So I, if the, if it's a person who's here, like, and a lot of times, you know, you'll have somebody who brings a friend I'm playing. My friend is interested, you know, like Brandon has often brought some of his friends who are somewhat interested in playing Warhammer because he hangs out with them more than he hangs out with me even. So if he can get them into Warhammer, he can get more games in, you know? Um, and he would come over. And one of the things we would do is we'd be playing and they'd be watching the things and I would always hand them the core book. And I would just I would just direct them directly to the Army's section um, in the core book. And then if there's anything in there that they like, I've probably got the rule book and they could look at that specific Army rule book. Um, the core army section in the new core book is a hundred pages. Most armies get about two pages of lore just to give you a basic idea. Um, and then, and, and some of them get even more. And then you've got pictures of a few models from every one of the armies to give you an idea of what they look like. And it's split up by order, chaos, destruction, and death. And there's... I mean, it's a hundred pages. You can kind of flip through, you know, look at the, oh, these models look cool. What army is that? I'll go read about that. Like, it's all in this one spot. You don't have to sit and read a hundred pages. You wouldn't get it done by the time we were done playing the game. But there, it, gives, it can give you a really nice look at what's, what some of your options are. So I always try to give them that first. Um, if, they, if, if not, I can always, you can always direct them to the GW website and be like, here, here's this game. Here's a list of all the armies. Just look at models until, like you said, look at these models. What looks like something you'd want to play with? Because like you said, you're going to be building and painting them. That was the final decision for me, as we said earlier, in my choice between my first army, between the two I had narrowed it down to, was literally... I don't want to paint that. Mm-hmm. That tracks. Yeah. And I think that getting, letting them see what you're doing, um, it, it's always nice if you're bringing in a new player to, to, if you have the books available, to let them just explore. Yeah, especially since a lot of them are wrapped in plastic now at game stores. Uh-huh. So letting them explore that part of it and if it, and whatever they seem to be more interested in, you know, what kind of things are in. And that's that's not bad either, especially if now if, if it's someone you don't know, like you're playing at your local game store, which I mean, nobody does that now, but you know what I mean. Uh, and you get a new person who comes in and is sort of looking and you start introducing them to it. You know, you can give them the spiel, you know. And kind of tell them a little bit about it and have them sit and they can, you know, I always would invite people at UGG or at Lindsay's or at, uh, you know, I haven't actually gotten to play too many games at Grognards um, because literally, what, two months after they became sponsors, we got locked down. Um, but yeah, but, but there's always something happening there. There's always something <laughs> happening there, which is true. Uh, we did have that day where we came and played. I think I played against you and I played a game against Grant. Um but it's, uh, you know, you get, when, whenever someone comes up, it, it, we always invite them in and let them sit. And we kind of, as, as I'm, you know, and usually I'm playing and, you know, with a friend, you know, it's a casual game at a store and um, they don't mind if the person is interested. And we, we, we'll kind of just talk to them about what we're doing as we're playing. Try to see if, they, if this is the type of game that they're interested in. 
Um, and but once you get them hooked and they're interested in picking an army, um, I, I I have found with the people I have brought into this game, it has almost always come down to the models for their first army. And whether that army tracks as a good uh, a good thing for their play style or not, uh, it, that, it, not 100% of the time. But it, it, I think it really does come down to the models. Uh, mm-hmm. What is the thing that, you're, that you like, that you're going to want to build and, and look at, and what, you know, because that really the game is very cinematic. The game, you know, I mean, that's what draws people in. It's not gray plastic. It's when you're sitting, I mean, the thing that fascinates, when you see all the nice, the, you know, the painted terrain or the pieces of terrain on the table, two painted armies moving at each other. Um, it always reminds you of that little, that meme that's been going around where one person's painting. Wow, look, that guy, his army across the table from me is so amazing. And I'm not, mine doesn't look nearly as good as his. I kind of suck. You know, I wish I could paint better. And then you see the guy who's done. Wow, look, two painted armies on the table. That's amazing. You know, they're they look fantastic. You know, someone who's coming into it. It's that's that's what grabs your attention when you first come across this game. When you see people playing it, is those painted armies on the table. I think it always, in the end, comes down to the models. I, I don't know if you agree with me or not. I don't know what you think, in, but uh, I mean, no, you're right. It really does, because um, again, this is where your money is going. This is where mm-hmm. your time is going. Um, so it's you're putting the investment of the time that you're spending by yourself into the models, because the time that you're spending playing games is the fun. Uh, it's the social. It's and, and doing and silly if, stuff. And if you're a person who's not going to switch up armies too often, if you're going to play the same army for a long time, and I and you know, then maybe you know your your initial investment, a lot of the time and effort is building and painting, and then you might add a unit here or there. Um, but then it might become just a lot of playing, and then you're invest, you know, so it you're you're it it may not be as huge of a per, excuse me of a percentage of your time. An effort in that hobbing if you don't if you're not constantly adding in more units and or, or switching up and trying new armies um, I, that seems a rarity for me most of the people I know don't just play the now as as I'm getting older I'm trying I'm you know I'm looking you know I, I, I'm trying to settle on some you know settle to something that I can really just sort of sit with and, and work with um, I've never been a fast painter and uh, I don't, I don't necessarily want to keep painting and starting new armies constantly. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find something to settle into, you know. <laughs> um, but it's, ugh, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of it, it depends on who you are and 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 what kind of stuff you're doing. I mean, there, like, there's people like you who are constantly making a new army as soon as you finish, you're starting a new one, you know. And then there's some people who are just trying to settle into something that they really enjoy, and I've always liked this, and I'm just going to play this. Dude, there's a few people I know who've played that same army for forever. It's like, nope, this is my army. And they just play that. 
you know? Heck, what is it? Wayne Kemp. I mean, all he ever played was Skaven. And when he finished painting an army, he just made it. He just built and painted another Skaven army. Didn't he do like a dozen of them or something like that? That's uh, probably 13. Probably. Oh, yeah, probably 13. But, uh, yeah, that's. It's, it's, it's interesting what drives people to pick certain things. And it, and it really, and we've only scratched the surface here. I'm kind of interested to see. I'm hoping uh, maybe you guys will jump in on the, on the Facebook uh, page and jump in onto the show thread for this and tell us, you know, what armies you play or what, what drove you to pick the army uh, that you play. Because, uh, like I said, this isn't even, I know there's got to be people who pick stuff that has nothing to do with what we've talked about, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people who have picked armies just because that's the army nobody else plays. Yeah. And that's, and that's the, a valid way to pick. Yeah. You've got a big gaming group and seven armies are already spoken for and you don't want to be playing mirror matches. You don't want to be playing what other people are playing. I'm going to play this because this is not what anybody else plays. And that right there, and that might not have almost anything to do with the models and the other stuff, but this is the army no one else is playing. So, I don't know. Uh, uh, do you have any other last thoughts or anything like that, or should we wrap this up, I suppose? I think we're good, honestly. Yeah. I think we've gotten everything covered. Yeah, I mean, there's just... there. <laughs> I don't think we do have everything covered. I think we barely, I think we just sort of had a nice little conversation here. Uh, and, and I mean, we went off on so many little tangents, but this is, uh, this is actually how I pick armies. Like I said, this is when I started playing with Christopher, this is what we did. We sat around for days talking about rules in different armies. And I would bring, what about this army? And he'd be like, well, they play kind of like this, and this is what they do. Playstyle kind of came into it, you know, because there were certain things you did, didn't, you know, might not have wanted to do. But mm-hmm. in the end, like I said, it came down to, I kind of like the idea of these two, the idea of how they play. And then, but these are the models I want to paint. So, yep. yeah. And for you, it was these are the cool army. These were the cool models. I want to play vampires, but these goblins speak to me. Yes. Yeah. So, all right, there you go. Cool. Very cool. Um, so I guess we should wrap it up, shouldn't we? Oh yeah. All right. Well, um, before we go, we should take one last moment to thank our Patreon patrons. Uh, those of you who are part of that 1%, once again, thank you so much for being part of the 1%. Um, interesting side note, I sent out a survey to the Patreon patrons because, you know, like a lot of people, you know, my wife subscribes to different podcast Patreons and she always subscribes for like the extra content and stuff like that, you know? And, uh, so I, I, you know, I'm thinking... If we hit a certain point, um, like Garage Gamer, I might do that for the patrons, you know, because it's it, 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 it's not not it's not everybody's thing, you know, and we don't do it that often. But now that Harrison's coming home, I just did get another Kickstarter game I got. We're gonna play it, and we might do a Garage Gamer and put it up for the you know at, at any level. If you're a patron, you know, here's some cool stuff. Um, the interesting thing was in the survey, um, some of the patrons were like, you know what, during this time with all those people, they could use it. 
you know, maybe you know, put it up here for a while for us as an exclusive. But at some point, you should probably just give it to everybody because even though, you know, and Garage Hammer's always been free. Like everyone listens to Garage Hammer. Not everyone listens to Garage Hammer, but I mean, you can listen to it without being a patron. You know, and I would never do that. But I'm like, oh, this stuff that's not Garage Hammer related, little small things. You know, do something nice for the people who you know think this show is actually worth something. Uh, like a side thing, and it was so cool. We have the coolest patrons. Like, literally, about a third of the people who responded to the survey were like, "Eh, man, just let you know." Eventually, make sure everyone else can hear it too, because that's what this is about—our community. And I thought that was really cool of you guys. And I want to thank you guys and those of you who actually answered uh, the uh, the survey. It's still out there. If you haven't answered it yet, you still can. I'm still looking for people's opinions on things. Um, but I definitely want to remember to thank the associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Mike Postian, and our executive producer, Colin Miller. And once again, thank you, Mike, for being our newest patron. Opie is a new producer, but he was, he's was he been here for quite some time, just at a lower level. But he decided to bump it, and I do appreciate that, and we will have that producers meeting soon. So, Alex? Dave. Thanks. For you know, um, I, I, just, that was some interesting stuff that you were telling me about your first armies. I had no idea you worked for Games Workshop. I've known you for all these years, well, all these uh, ten years, and didn't know you worked for Games Workshop at all. So that was kind of cool. Um, it seems like everybody at some point worked for Games Workshop. Grant worked for Games Workshop. You worked for Games Workshop. Oh, jeez. Um. Oh well. Well, so we'll be back, um, and I think we're—I think we're going to do Sons of Bayamot next because that's new lore. New lore, folks. New lore. New lore. I love lore, and it's new lore. The models are just ridiculous. Models look really good, and hey, it's the only army that I can think of that you will literally have between six and ten models, and that's it. No matter how you decide to build that two thousand point army. You will have either six, eight, or ten models in your army. So that's just, that's bananas. Like, there's literally only those, that many options. So um, we will be talking about that soon. So until that time, folks, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer and Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums. That's tga.community. Or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.
this is Brian Blessed, and you're listening to Garish Hammer.